And, and you get to actually experience the power of the living God today. Like, that's pretty special. Like, the fact that as a church we're called real life is on purpose, right? Because it's very real. And we don't come in here fake and pretentious and acting like everything. Like, we come right where we are, as we are, and the goodness of our God meets us there and begins to transform us and change us and make us into the people that he intended us to be. Like, what a gift. So as all of the pressures and all the things are swirling around your home, I want you to hear this today, that I believe that Jesus came to bring peace. Not just a concept of peace, but peace to your home, in your marriage, your kids, that this would be a, a, a few weeks, a season of God's supernatural peace. No matter what your home looks like this Christmas season, Jesus came to bring peace right there in the middle of where you are. I want to look at John 14 together today. Uh, Jesus promises peace in this passage. So if you've got your Bible or Bible app, uh, this is one of the New Testament gospels about Jesus' life and ministry and teaching. And it's a powerful little moment here where Jesus is about to head to heaven. He's about to go to the cross, and then he's going to ascend into heaven, and he's kind of saying goodbye to his disciples. And as he's departing, as he's getting them ready for his departure, he says to them in John 14, verse 25, he says, all this, disciples, I have spoken while still with you. I wanted you to hear all this while I'm right here with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Listen, Jesus promises peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He says, I do not give as the world gives. Think of how the world gives gifts conditionally, right, based on your performance. You better deserve it. You better have earned it. It better make sense. This is a different kind of gift. It's an unconditional gift. It's not based on our merit and our ability, but it's based on his love for us. He said, I don't give like the world gives. I give you a peace that is going to surpass all understanding, a peace that will guard your heart and your mind, a peace that is from the power of the Spirit of God inside you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. I love this promise. Anytime God promises something, we know this about God, is that he will come through on his promise. If you don't know God, let all the amens in the room just uh, be a testimony to you. These are actual people that have experienced the faithfulness of God. What God says, God does. Amen? And because of that, we can take great heart in a promise like this. We can have a sense of confidence to go, oh, there's a peace promised for each of us. This word peace is powerful. It's not just like tranquility and absence of, of you know, tension and friction. It's much bigger. The New Testament was written originally in, in the language of Greek. The word for peace in the Greek is arene. That same word in the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, is shalom. Anybody heard that word before? It's a big word. It's not just a little kind of, oh, nothing bad is going on. It, it means everything that's been torn down, broken, and, and made a disaster is being made whole, restored, complete. Think of this. The angel announces Jesus' arrival with this statement, peace on earth. 
Anything that's been destroyed, like your relationship with God, the way you and I were intended to be is in right relationship with God, but sin has destroyed that relationship. And Jesus is coming as God's gift to mankind to make that whole, complete, right, the way it was intended to be. When Jesus is promising peace here to all mankind, he's going, hey, I want you to experience the wholeness of how your life, your family was intended to be. I want you to experience the peace that I I died for, that I, I want you to know in your heart. And I love how he connects this gift, not just as a concept, peace, but to a person, his spirit. The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the advocate. The Holy Spirit, and this will be a gift to you. So the disciples are kind of like disheartened, like, Jesus, why do you got to go? We like you here. You're God. We get to hang out. Like, this is good. He's like, actually, it's better for you that I go. In this same passage, he's like, no, it's better for you that I go because I'm going to send you my helper, my spirit, and that spirit is going to actually live inside you. So the gift of God's peace is the spirit of God residing inside you. And I love the word advocate. You know why? He's advocating because our sin is an accusation against us. In fact, the enemy of our souls is, is, is known as the accuser of the brothers and sisters. He's known as the accuser who stands before God accusing you of all your sin and all your wrongdoing and trying to get you and accusing your mind and your heart of all the stuff that you've done wrong, trying to separate you from the love of God. But the Spirit of God is standing there as an advocate for you and I, reminding us of everything that Jesus has said. No, you are forgiven. You are made new. You are made clean. You are made pure. You are made right. When you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are made whole, complete, shalom. Peace is ours. And the Spirit of God has given us a gift, as a deposit inside of us to bring this peace about. Paul writes about the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5. And he says to the church, the fruit of the Spirit inside you, the fruit, what he produces in you is love, joy, peace. There it is. The same word, arene, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of God's gift to you is a life that is having this fruit brought out of it, not by your power and your effort and you trying harder and you not being so mean. (laughs) It is brought about by the Spirit of God inside you producing fruit in your life. This is really good news. You hear this whole promise. I just kind of want you to just settle your heart here because the fruit of the Holy Spirit inside you is there to change you, to change your family, to change this holiday season. The fruit of what God is is wanting to do in you and through your life, and as we yield to the Spirit of God, there is a fruitfulness, a a peace and a patience and a kindness about our lives that that God is wanting to produce in each of us. I want to pray, just ask God to speak to us as we kind of try to understand what this peace looks like in our homes this year. Pray with me, Lord. We do believe that you came to bring peace, peace in our hearts, our minds, our homes, God. Just think of every family represented here, every journey, every story, every up and down and crazy stuff and hard stuff and great stuff, God. You've got it all and you see it all and you know it all. Every story here you know intimately, God. 
So we just trust you right now to meet us here, to speak, to reveal, to make your word come alive, to help us, God, just to, to have this peace that's guarding our hearts and our minds, this peace that's beyond understanding. Holy Spirit, we are coming to you, asking you to produce something supernatural in us that only you can bring. We're dependent on you. We're desperate for you, God. I just thank you for your power, your love, your goodness. Thank you for meeting us here. We just ask you to move. In your name, Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. I think about the holidays. We're, we're going to have a unique week, uh, next two weeks as a church. I don't think in the 12 years that we've been a church, I don't think Christmas and New Year's both lands on a Sunday. It's kind of weird. And so we're not going to have services on next Sunday. This is actually our last Sunday of 2022 together. That's kind of crazy. And then New Year's Day is on the next Sunday. And so we're going to actually be back together here on January 8th. Think about that. Like we've got a really cool opportunity right here in this moment to go, okay, God, speak to us. I want to know like this piece of my heart and I want to see what this, this Christmas season is going to be like and how he's going to work this Christmas Eve services, all of that. But man, it just seems like the holidays are always trying to kill our peace. No matter how festive you are, there's like stress that goes with festivities. I was wanting to put up lights on the outside of my house this year. I promise I was. But then it snowed, right? And then it was like really like 12 degrees outside and it's going to be like what negative 20 whatever this week or whatever. Like I feel like a kind of a slacker. Like I didn't festivity enough this year. Anybody else? Like like Christmas just kind of like kills this peace. I, I know our family has had some doozies. When you think about the Christmas trees, uh, you flocked, tinseled, you know, colored light people, white light, you know. We're always kind of been about the, like, live tree, anybody else, you know, like we want to have a fresh one, the smell, the crispiness when you drag it out afterwards and the needles that go everywhere. And with that comes an adventure every time. And we had a really tall one one year that my wife called me when she was pregnant, laying underneath it as it has fallen on her as she's wrapping presents, like crying, you know, like doozy, right? Or, or I think the next year we're like, okay, we're done with all these farm trees. We're going for a real one, like the woods, right? And um, it was frozen. Everything was frozen way up in the mountains where we cut this tree down. And as it got in our house, it thawed out. And all the bugs that were, like, stashed in the branches thawed as well. And uh, just, like, the whole trunk was crawling with bugs. Just last night, I'm wiping, like, sweeping spiders off of our ceiling that hatched out of our, our awesome tree. You know, it's live really alive, like everything is alive in my house, and, and man, it's, it's, like, it's like this, isn't it? I was thinking about last night, we, we had a really kind of special time as a family. My, my wife's family all lives in Coeur d'Alene, and there's a couple of real strong traditions in our family, like getting together at Christmas, and this big party always lasts several hours, and there's always lots of food, and there's always Christmas carols, and there's always uh, Gramps and Gigi. And Gramps has been struggling with cancer the last year and a half or so, and he's so weak that he couldn't be there last night. And so Gigi came without him. Um, as we're singing the carols, one of the uncles is talking about how special it was to have Gramps playing his harmonica with all the carols last year. And, and then Gigi kind of pipes up, you know, Grandma, my wife's grandma, our girl's great-grandma, that's why we call her Gigi. She uh, pipes up in the middle of Oh Holy Night. Just saying, you know, Gramps is going to be in heaven soon, and you all need to be there with him. 
So if you don't know Jesus, you need to know Jesus. And she starts kind of preaching the gospel, right? And then another person's like, you, if you don't know Jesus, you got to know Jesus. And here in the family, just like in the midst of like a difficult time, a missing of Gramps and wondering what it's going to be like without him and all of this difficulty, there's just a peace that settled over that family gathering last night as God is just here. He's working. People are being drawn by the Holy Spirit into the presence of God. And, and I just can't help but think about each of our homes this year and how tempting it is to allow the festivities to kind of cover over the sacredness of this time of year and the, the power of what God is wanting to do in each of our homes. Some of you, it's not maybe a difficulty like that. It's maybe where your finances are or all those other things I mentioned before. But there's kind of a temptation, I think, for all of us to allow all of that to steal the peace of what God is wanting to do in our homes. And I want to encourage us today that you are in your home, in your family, in your marriage, with your kids, with your grandkids. Maybe you're an aunt. Maybe you're, you're going to go to an extended family. But you you're are where you are. And God wants to use you right where you are to bear the fruit of his spirit, this peace in your heart right there. It's easy to be kind of a victim of our circumstances and forget that we are actually the ones that are responsible to set the tone and the environment and the atmosphere of wherever we are. You've heard the picture, the analogy of a thermostat and a thermometer. A thermometer just tells the temperature. It's hot in here. My family's messed up. My circumstances are bad. My marriage is like this. They're, they're always like that. When you, when you and I are in this spot, what are we doing? We're just telling the temperature. Just telling it like it is. We're not actually bringing peace or, or abiding in the peace of God's spirit inside of us. We're just telling the temperature. But a thermostat is different. You know what? I want it to be peaceful in this house. I want it to be filled with the spirit of God and the grace of God and the love of God and the patience of God. I want to see the fruit of God's spirit in this house. That's a thermostat that sets the temperature. And I believe that you are that thermostat. Wherever you go, you are. And we play the victim card. We do. We get so used to just telling the time, telling the temperature, telling the way it is. There's an author that I respect so much, Dr. Henry Cloud. And he speaks about this and writes about this. And he does in lots of leadership contexts as well as business. And he's a Christian, but he's a psychologist as well. And he just says this so powerfully. He's like, you know the, the temperature, the environment, the culture of your family, your home, your workplace, wherever you are? It's a combination of two things. What you create, what you do on purpose, and what you allow. A lot of times we're like, well, it just happened. It just happened to me, it happened to us, the pain of my past, the things that, that have been hard in my life. We've allowed these things to kind of infect and affect the peace of our home and the way that we interact and we just tell the temperature all the time, well, if that wasn't them and, and, and they weren't that way and, and this was better and those things weren't, and we're just reiterating the temperature of the room. And, and his statement is so powerful. You are actually in charge. He says, in fact, you are ridiculously in charge. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's you. You're the thermostat. I, uh, I remember being with him 
a year and a half ago, and it was a really cool moment. I got to actually sit down for an hour with this guy, with this author, Dr. Henry Cloud. A really cool thing that I did not ever anticipate would happen. And I was telling him about some of the difficulties that our church had gone through in the COVID season and some of the staff transitions that we had and stuff, some of the tough stuff, especially that particularly things that were going on for my wife and I and, and for her specifically and how, like, this was painful watching all this stuff happen, people saying stuff and all this stuff. And he just stopped me. I remember holding my iced tea in my hand like this. He's like, Richie, he said, people are saying that and doing that to your wife, to you. And he just goes, that can't happen, ever, ever again. And I remembered like this just kind of resolve settled in my heart because I had felt kind of powerless up to this point. Well, they're just saying stuff and they're being mean and that's what's happening and that's how it's going. And, and, and I just kind of felt like powerless. And in that moment, I was just like, wait a second. That's right. That can't happen. I'm in charge of our family, my marriage, uh, uh, how it goes even around here at this church, like the, the environment that we have here, like just that simple statement that he made just helped reestablish the boundary in my heart and my mind, like, oh, wait a second, I'm a thermostat. I'm not a victim of all these circumstances and these difficulties and all these things that are going on. Uh, I have a responsibility. See, peace is not just going to show up at your house and knock on the door. Hey, can I come in? It's going to be you and I making a decision to go, hey, if the gift that Jesus gave is his spirit inside me that produces a fruit, a fruit of his love and joy and peace and patience coming out of me, then I, I need to make a decision that, that I'm going to submit to his spirit in my heart. I'm not going to submit to the fleshly desires that try to reign and rule in each of our hearts. See, that's what happens. I want Christmas to be my way and the way I like it. And those kids, they need to behave like, and things need to go this way and that way and order this and perfect that and figure it all out, everybody else. All that pressure, all that expectation, when, when really it's a decision to go, I'm not going to let the fleshly desires of my sinful nature rule this Christmas season. I'm going to surrender to the Spirit of God because it's only by the Spirit of God that there is going to be a fruit of peace in this home. It is only by his power and his grace at work in my life that peace is going to be a reality in my home. Just to kind of settle our hearts there and go, wait a second, I am in charge. I'm ridiculously in charge of this own soul. I am making decisions. Do I submit to the spirit or do I submit to the flesh? The fruit of the flesh is obvious, Paul says in Galatians 5. He says it's like envy, strife, jealousy, it's obvious, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He says against these things, there is no law. There is no stopping the fruit of the Spirit. When you and I are submitted to the Spirit of God inside of our own hearts, this just comes out of us. It, it, it is evident in our lives. So the promise that Jesus made in John 14 is a gift of his Spirit inside you. Every heart that's surrendered to Jesus has been given a deposit of the Holy Spirit inside you. And you and I now are on a journey of submission. I wish I could tell you the 14 things to do to have a peaceful Christmas this season. But here's what it is. Submit to the Spirit. The more submitted we are to the Spirit of Jesus, the more peace there will be in our home. 
Lack of peace means lack of submission to the Spirit. You are not going to get out there and manufacture peace in your effort and strength. It's going, wow. I didn't realize all those expectations and all that pressure I'm putting on my family. I didn't realize that's me serving the flesh. But that's exactly what it is for many of us. So just kind of take a breath today. Go, oh, God, we want the peace of God to reign in our homes, in our marriages, in our families, with our kids. God, and I'm, I'm going to set the temperature. I'm not going to wait for it to be set. I'm not going to. I'm not going to just complain about the temperature of the room. I'm actually going to begin to set it by submitting to your spirit. I love what Paul writes in Philippians 4. He's finishing up his letter to the church in Philippi, and he says, finally, brothers, sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He's just setting the stage. You're in charge. You're going to set the, the, the temperature. You're going to set the environment. Here's the things I want you to think about. Whenever, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, he says, or seen in me, put those things into practice. Listen, and the God of peace will be with you. When you and I just surrender our hearts to the Spirit of God, there's this focus that begins to come, like whatever is Noble. Think about that. When the Spirit awakens our, our, our spirit and our hearts to see what's noble, there's a sense of value. What, when you think of a, a noble person, there's an honor and a respect and a dignity that's ascribed to that person. There's a worth and a value about that person or that thing. It's a noble cause, a noble person, a noble moment. It's a value that's not just based off of like, like the world's standard of value. It's an, a nobility comes as there's a, a deeper, more powerful value placed on that moment, that item, that person. I was thinking about my wife. It's kind of my hero on moments like this. There was a couple weeks ago, my girls were <clears throat> finishing up a soccer game, and they played a really amazing team and lost to them, but they fought really hard, and they had so much to be proud of. But some of the team was kind of like, complaining and, and maybe arguing a little bit with each other. And my daughter and one of her friends, a close teammate, come over, and they're both in just tears as they just gave their all in this game. And it's easy to be disappointed in that moment. And my wife just grabs them. She starts hugging them. She's like, I'm so proud of you girls, winning, losing, all of that. But, like, who you are is what matters most. And as she's saying this to them, you can see their shoulders kind of stand up straight and they kind of, like, the fact that you didn't start, like, yelling at your teammates and the fact that you, you just, like, gave it your all all the way to the very, like, that's just so much about your character. This is what she's encouraging them with at the end of this game. And they're in tears, like, you know, like, yeah, you know. And, and what I love, though, is she chose to focus on what was noble in that moment. Win, loss, goals, all the, you know, whatever. But there was just this simple focus on what is noble. Paul says, whatever's pure. Think about those things. Like Christmas, it's all about all, the, it's about Jesus. 
Just keep it pure, right? Just keep it simple and pure. Keeping the main thing, the main thing will just allow peace to just settle in your heart and your mind. When we allow it to become all these other things, we just got to cut it down to the core and keep it pure. It's about Jesus. Jesus came because God loves all mankind. And he wanted to save us from our sin. Instead of trying to make us earn our way back to God, he sends his son as a substitute and a sacrifice for our sin. When we just keep it so simple and pure, man, this season is so filled with peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming. God, thank you for loving us first. Thank you that you would send your son. Thank you, God. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy, I love that. Focusing our hearts on things that are praiseworthy. See, a lot of times we feel like if, if we can be critical of everything and everyone, we're going to fix it and change it. But what you criticize continues. In fact, the more critical you are, the more focused on that critical issue you are. So it actually kind of grows in your mind and your heart. Have you ever noticed this? You complain about your spouse and that thing that they do, just they keep doing. And you get even more and more annoyed by it. And I think that, that what is praiseworthy is an opportunity to go, yeah, well, yeah, but what about the things in your spouse and in your kids that you admire? Like finding those things and focusing your heart on, on those things to praise because what you celebrate is actually going to grow as well. If you choose to speak to and edify and point to those things that are praiseworthy, as those things begin to grow or begin to be celebrated in your life and in your family and your home, they're going to actually grow. Like how cool. Like what you, what you praise grows. What you celebrate grows. So for you and I to go, oh, I've been focused on all the wrong stuff. Myself, my desires, the way I want it to be. Submission to the Spirit of God produces a fruit in your life. A fruit. That means His work, His doing that is supernatural. Okay, Holy Spirit, help me to focus on these things. I surrender to your promptings, to your moments of needing to forgive and overlook offenses. A lot of times they're really tiny moments. They're not massive, like earth-shattering moments. They're just little resentments and little annoyances. And I surrender. Maybe you just need to pray that right now. God, I just surrender been trying to make it all my way. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to reign in this heart. Whatever you say, whatever you want, however you want this life, this Christmas, this family, it's yours. It's for you. It's because of you. It's your glory, not mine. I surrender. I think that's the kind of people we want to be, isn't it, real life? surrendered people. People that are passionate about the Spirit of God producing fruit in our lives. Not a people that are trying to gain accolades and recognition for ourselves, but a people that just see the goodness of God in our lives. Friends and family around us are blown away, not by us, but by the power and the love of God at work in us. That's who we want to be. People that are setting this temperature, this environment everywhere we go. Wow. Praiseworthy things, noble things. 
God's work is so powerful. I want to give us a minute today just to allow the peace of God to surpass all understanding. To allow God's peace to settle on your soul and restore your passion for him. To maybe even draw you for the first time into right relationship with him. So I just want to call us to a moment of a time of silence. And in this silence, I just want to ask you to be quiet and allow God's peace just to settle on your soul today. Spirit, we just thank you for your peace. We thank you for your power over every broken and pain-filled moment in our lives and our stories. We thank you for your glory that covers over every hurtful and shameful thing, God. You are that good, so good. We just rest in your peace today, Holy Spirit. We rest in the power of your love. We rest in your forgiveness. We rest in your goodness, your favor. Thank you, Jesus. We just release the striving, the anxieties. We just receive your healing. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your mercy. You're so good. Jesus. Some of you in the room have yet to surrender your heart to Jesus. And he's drawn you to himself today. You know there's a sense in you that you got to turn on the way you've been doing life, turn to Jesus. It's called repentance. I just want to invite you right now to make that turn. To turn away from self-fulfilling and self-gratifying decisions and ways of living to a place of surrender to Jesus. He promises that when we do surrender, to give us the gift of his Holy Spirit, to forgive us of our sins, to make us right with God in heaven. He promises eternity. Just turn. Repent. Confess, Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need you to make me whole. Let this peace, this shalom, God, will just be real.
Well, I want to invite you to stand with me today, if you would, real life. We're going to sing a song here in a moment, a song just responding to what God's doing in our hearts. And I want to encourage you, don't just hustle out the door. This is a chance to allow God's peace just to continue to settle in your heart right now. If you're at a spot where you know, I just surrendered my heart to Jesus, what's my next step? Get baptized. That's what Jesus commands. That's what his church practiced for the last couple thousand years. Got to baptize two people last service. We'd love to baptize you this service. And so uh, the water's here and the teams in the back would love to help you get changed and celebrate with you. Let's sing, let's worship, let's respond to what God's doing in our lives today.